Parenthood is a time of so much change for you and your baby. A little reliable information can go a long way towards making this new life a good life. I'm Jessica Rolfe, and this is My New Life, a Love Every Podcast. I don't know about you, but these past couple of months have been overwhelming ones for me. Really excited to share my conversation with today's guest. She uses the term peaceful parenting. Who doesn't want more of that? Here to help us bring more calm and less shouting into our homes is psychologist Dr. Laura Markham. She has worked as a parenting coach with families all over the world. She is the author of Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, How to Stop Yelling and Start Connecting, Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings, How to Stop the Fighting and Raise Friends for Life, and now her latest book, The Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids Workbook, Using Mindfulness and Connection to Raise Resilient, Joyful Children and Rediscover Your Love of Parenting. I cut right to the chase with Dr. Laura tantrums. Because after all, isn't that our greatest pain point as parents of toddlers? So Dr. Laura, tell me about what it's like to be a peaceful parent through a really big emotional moment for your toddler. Let's say that you've kind of reasoned with them as best you can. You've reflected their feelings. You've gotten down on the floor with them. You've like tuned in, but they're just really having a moment. What does that look like? What do you do? Well, what it looks like is it's loud and it's hard for them. And we don't have to have it be hard for us, but most of us, it feels hard because we don't want our child to be having a hard time. And also it pushes our buttons. We think, oh, if I were a better parent, this wouldn't be happening. But you know, that's not true. Children are wired so that when something is too much for them, too big for them, they let out that stress by crying, in fact, by raging if necessary. And so when your toddler's having a moment, that's what they need to do. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them, and it doesn't mean they're going to do this when they're eight, and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It means they need some support from you because they're overwhelmed. So what it looks like for a peaceful parent is, what it looks like for any parent is, ah, my toddler is having this total tantrum meltdown. And what a peaceful parent would say is, okay, breathe. I don't have to draw any conclusions about this from about myself, about my child. I just have to be here to support my child because he's overwhelmed at the moment. And so if your child will let you, which they often won't, you could put your arms around them and say, oh, sweetheart, you're having such a hard time. I'm right here and hold your child. And they would go, ah, nah, ah. and you hold them and you say, it's really going to be okay. I'm right here, sweetie. You are so disappointed. This isn't what you wanted. You didn't want to have to get back in the car again or whatever they're upset about. If they won't let you hold them, that's okay too. You say the same thing. You are so mad and sad. And your toddler doesn't really know what those words mean maybe. But when they hear that, you say, you are so mad, your toddler's like, yeah, mad. That's what I am, mad. Now, the truth is the logical part of their brain is overwhelmed at the moment, right? They are not 
actually in touch with that part of themselves. They're only in touch with those big storm of feelings that's flooding them. But if you say soothingly, oh, sweetheart, it's so hard. And then you would close your mouth and your toddler would howl. And then you would say, I'm right here with a hug. Would you like a hug? And your toddler would scream no at you. And you would say, I'm right here. And then eventually your toddler hurls themselves into your arms and sobs their heart out. And you say, I know. Sometimes it's so hard, isn't it? That's how you tell your child that the feelings are not dangerous. It's really okay. They're not a bad person to feel these things. And what ends up happening is over time, the toddler learns, you know, these feelings of anger and sadness, I can actually handle them without falling apart. They don't have to stuff the feelings. When we tell children, stop that right now, don't you cry about that, or don't you use that tone of voice with me, when we tell them not to have the feelings, they have to stuff the feelings because they, they don't want to disappoint us. But, you know, when you stuff feelings, they don't stay stuffed. They, they're out of your conscious control at that point, right? No longer under conscious control. So they burst out and your child actually ends up with more tantrums. Whereas when you accept the emotions, the child gradually learns it's not an emergency. My parents really don't think it's an emergency. They stay calm. They help me through it. I have backup. I can manage these feelings. And the child becomes more emotionally intelligent at an earlier age because of the support you've given them. Yeah, I think that's huge. But I think that there's that shame that you feel in front of other people. It's like, how do you really let go of that, that feeling of being embarrassed and feeling a little bit judged? Well, parenting is not what your child does. It's how you respond. So shame is fear that other people will judge us and find us lacking and we're not good enough, right? So let's look at that shame right now. If someone feels shame because their toddler is having a fit because of X, you know, whatever the reason for the toddler, and there are people watching, what do we imagine those people are thinking? You're not a good enough mom. Your toddler, there must be something wrong with that toddler. My children didn't do such things. So we need a way in that moment to calm ourselves down and confront that voice which is telling us there's something wrong with us or wrong with our child. And it might be at that moment that your kid hits you and that actually, if you thought about it, you'd realize, oh, I've been focusing everywhere but on my child, or I've been ignoring my child's cues that they were getting ready to fall apart, and I've been sort of pushing it by staying at this event with other people or whatever you're doing. So it's true that you could do something differently maybe in, you know, to not have your child do this thing. But sometimes you couldn't have done anything different. Maybe your child is just tired and you didn't realize how tired she was. She's not usually that tired right now. She's coming down with something, whatever. And so I think you just have to, regardless of the situation, say to yourself, I'm a good enough mom. I'm doing the best I can. I don't have to be perfect. I'm more than enough. My child is going to be fine. And you, you also have to ask yourself this question. Where do my loyalties lie? Is it more important how I appear to other adults? Or is my priority here, my relationship with this little human being who has been entrusted to me, 
who I'm supposed to nurture and support. And when she acts like she doesn't deserve my love is when she needs it the most to help her with whatever is driving her to act out this way. Where does my loyalty lie? I love that. I really love that. I think I need to put some of your quotes on my bathroom mirror. I love it. Okay. So leaning in just a tiny bit more. So what does it look like if your toddler hits you? Mm -hmm. I always, I remember so vividly my Mm -hmm. little boy just slapping me in the face. What does a peaceful parent do in Mm. that moment? Oh, that's so awful. Right. So the first thing you do, because we're not repressing our emotions either, right? We're noticing them, but not acting on them. So the first thing you do is you step back. And of course, what happens when somebody hits us is we want to hit back. Some part of you is going to want to like shake your child or in some other way, you know, respond. And we feel this great sense of urgency to do that. That's because we're in fight, flight, or freeze. So we have adrenaline pumping through our veins. So we feel that urgency. So I would say, take a breath, step back, take a breath, and then say to yourself, okay. I can handle this. He's a toddler. He's acting like a toddler because he is a toddler. And then you, then, and there's nothing wrong with raising your voice. If your toddler hits you in the face, you say, no, no, no hitting. Ouch. But not ouch like, oh, two-year-old, you have lots of power over me. That's like handing your child a remote control that they're going to really want to use. No, more like, Absolutely not. You know, you don't ride on the top of the car. You know, you get in your car seat and you buckle up. You don't eat dinner on top of the table or the counter. You know, no, you sit in your chair and you don't hit me. There are certain things we don't do. And we just absolutely say, no, no hitting. Ouch. That hurts. And and so we've made that really clear. And then we say, you are so mad. You're mad, right? And So tell me, when your toddler hit you in the face, do you remember what he was mad about? You know, I don't. I don't. I just remember the feeling that I had inside of me. And, you know, I remember kind of like gripping his arm and being kind of like worried about the anger that I felt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's completely normal when someone smacks us in the face, we want to smack them back. The gripping his arm is the, the least of it. We feel rage right? When we are hurt, we feel rage. That's why human beings are still here. We respond by protecting ourselves. But of course, our child, we're in fight or flight, but our child is not the enemy, never. And he's, if you turn around and, you know, smack him back, you're teaching him that that that's what we do with feelings that are upset. What we want to show him is there's a better way to handle it. He's two, we're not, right? We're going to handle it better. So you might actually step further back so you can keep your hands off your child. You might even put, what I tell parents to do is when you feel that rage, clap your arms around your body, take a breath, give yourself a big hug. That containment, first of all, you can't use your hands to hurt your child, but also that containment makes us feel safer, settles down the nervous system. Because remember, it was about to go haywire or it was going haywire when your kid hits you. So when your toddler hits you, containment, nurturing yourself, talk yourself off the cliff. He's acting like a toddler because he is a toddler. I can handle this. I'm the grown up. I'm the role model. Take another breath. And then you say to your child, once you've said the no, no hitting, you say, you are so mad. 
You're showing me you're mad, right? No hitting. Say, and then if your toddler has any words at all, you can say, say mad, mad mommy. And I will hear you say it mad. And you're coaching them to express the feeling in a more acceptable way. So it's important to remember, kids are going to get mad. All humans get angry. What we want is for them to handle it responsibly. And that starts with being able to put it in words so they don't have to act it out. I guess I would just ask, after something like that happens with your toddler, ask yourself, hmm, did I give my toddler the support that they would have benefited from prior to that moment? So had I spent the last 40 minutes before we tried to leave the house running around getting my makeup on and trying to pack up the stuff we needed and return that phone call really quickly and, you know, pour another cup of coffee so I could have it for the road or whatever. If you were doing all that, you weren't attending to your toddler. That's fine. We can't attend to them every minute. But then you need to build in 10 minutes at the end to connect with the toddler, transition them away from whatever they've been doing and into, and build in a little extra time to transition them into leaving the house, you know, in the timeframe that you want. Because so often what ends up happening is we forget that they need our support in order to make these transitions. And then, of course, they lose it during the transition, but we didn't set them up for success. And and I would take it a step further and say, every child needs certain things every day. They need that deep intimacy with us where we connect with them deeply. They need laughter. They need us to chase them around the house and swing them into the air and dump them on the couch. I call that roughhousing. Not my word. It came from Larry Cohen, who wrote Playful Parenting. But that laughter is essential to every child. And when you're laughing with your child, you're both releasing oxytocin into your bloodstream. That's the bonding hormone, remember? So your child is more likely to be able to cooperate with you then when you're needing them to, when you're leaving the house or something else that you need their cooperation. So it's true. They always fall apart when we can't listen. But if we build into the routine things that do meet their needs, I call it preventive maintenance, then they're more able to rise to the occasion when we ask it of them. I love so much of this. I love all of this. And I think that part of our work as parents is to also, you know, get on the same page with the other caregivers, with our child's daycare, with our partners. How do we navigate the learning and growth that we're going through to become a peaceful parent and then also share that with a spouse or another caregiver? I think it's constant or at least ongoing discussion. There's never going to be just one conversation about such an important topic, right? So when you learn something exciting or inspiring, you know, you can, or even something that you think, oh, wow, I wish I'd known this (laughs) six months ago. You can share that with your partner and ask what they think of it. And, you know, ideally you have these conversations before you ever have your first child, you know, before you decide to have a baby with someone, you start to have conversations about, hmm, what would you think about how we would raise this child? But now that you have a real live toddler, you have ample opportunities all day, every day to have those conversations with your partner and say, hmm, I noticed that when we are able to slow down and really connect with him or to your partner, you might say, 
I noticed that the mornings when you spend time tossing him around and you two laugh so much together, he's so much more affectionate with you and he's so much more cooperative. And the mornings when you don't have time to do that, he's always more difficult, right? You might just notice things like that. I've heard partners say things like, well, I don't want him to be a mama's boy and dependent. I want him to stand on his own two feet. So when he cries, I want him to pick himself up. I don't think you should be hugging him, right, as an example. But actually, the research shows that that just makes kids defend themselves more, get defensive if they feel like no one's there as their backup, comforting them when they're upset. Whereas when we comfort them, they get that need met and they're able to move on developmentally to the next thing. And they they have a more integral form of strength rather than defensiveness, right? But how would your partner know that, right? They're just going based on how they were raised maybe. So those kinds of things take conversation and you might listen to an audio together and talk about what you heard and what you think about it. It's really helpful. And then, so I heard you talk about kind of these main ingredients for being a peaceful parent. It's making time for connection through intimacy, making time for connection through laughter, which releases oxytocin, but we both do. What else? Is there anything else that's sort of like the kind of tenets of the philosophy that you're sharing with us today? I would say 24-7 empathy. And let me hasten to say nobody is empathic 24-7 because we're human beings and we're, we get distracted, we get overwhelmed, we get, you know, we have our own issues. Sadness, for instance, you know, you might be sad about something and not be able to empathize. But if your goal is to empathize with your child 24-7, then you're trying to do it. And empathy doesn't mean you analyze how your child is feeling. Empathy means you describe what you think your child wanted or needed or why they did it or what they're expressing. And if you don't know, you can just describe the behavior. I see you frowning or you you look mad. I see your face going like this. It you looks like maybe you're mad, right? So that's empathy. Empathy is simply acknowledging what your child is expressing. Even if you're wrong, it's okay to do and your child will correct you. But when you do that, your child feels seen and heard and safe. And that takes you, that builds the relationship you want right now and straight through into the teen years. I feel so inspired to go home to my three tonight, bringing this fresh, fresh kind of reinvigorated perspective on the importance of connection, on 24-7 empathy. I love that goal. And on laughter. For speaking to parents of toddlers, what else have I not covered that you wish that you could tell them? Whatever your toddler is doing, it's normal. It's natural. It doesn't mean they're going to be doing it in four years. This is what toddlers do. They drive you crazy. They want what they want. They don't have much prefrontal cortex or executive function. It's okay. Just be as loving and warm as you can with them and stay as calm as you can bring yourself to. Look at it as living with your own little guru and you get a growth course in, you know, how to stay calm in the face of a barrage of big emotions. And you'll be amazed at how much more reasonable your child will be really in just a year or two. Dr. Laura, that's just what we needed to hear. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been such a pleasure. Enjoy your children and for everybody who's a toddler, 
it's a wonderful age. I know it's a crazy making age, but look at that brain exploding, that language exploding, those physical skills exploding. Just enjoy your child. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Laura. It's been such a pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. I mean, what parent doesn't want more calm in their routine? Takeaway number one, tune into your child's cues. When you can accept your child's emotions without reacting, your child learns it's not an emergency. My parents don't think it's an emergency. They stay calm. They help me through it. I have backup. I can manage these feelings. Takeaway number two, when your toddler's behavior embarrasses you in public, ask yourself, where do my priorities lie? Is it with the strangers around me or this precious little person who is entrusted to me? Dr. Laura encourages us not to worry about others' judgment and focus instead on how we can nurture the relationship with our child. Takeaway number three, if you're co-parenting, when you discover a new strategy, share it. You might say, I notice the mornings when you take time to toss him around and laugh together, he's so much more cooperative. Make it a regular check-in. You can find more parenting tools on the Love Every blog at loveevery.com. You've been listening to My New Life. If you think this episode might be helpful to a fellow parent, please share. And if you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's show, head over to loveevery.com. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com. I'm Jessica Rolfe. Thanks for listening. Thank you.